0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. I wondered if you knew about that day—the day Julian day went. I knew that's why you called. That you'd come back.
1: Don't go near
0: this. It's an exciting week, O'Toole. Before we get to the Kettering incident which is the TV series we're going to talk about today, which I've decided makes, you know, if Orange is the new Black, then Amazon's new content that they're putting out is the new Netflix. I mean, I think they're nailing it. Interesting. This
1: is us not talking about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the number of things that they're putting out, I'm not saying I love them all, but I'm just saying they are really getting a very, very huge, huge selection of of, uh, of new content coming out and I don't know if you noticed but they have a movie coming out uh, to the big screens too did you see that being done by Amazon
1: I thought Amazon Studios did the Kevin Spacey Elvis versus Nixon yep I thought they had done quite a few. Yeah, well,
0: you know, I, I'm seeing it more and more. I just want to say that I think Amazon's the new Netflix, just like Orange is the new Black. But before we get to that, I have some things that I just wanted to go over. I have to start. You know that you know how I feel about Sorkin, right? Your boyfriend, Sorkin. Yes. He is my boyfriend. He just might not know it, but he is definitely <laughs> my boyfriend. And... Um, I I read an article that apparently originated in Afternet and then moved to Salon about the ten sexist female TV um, characters, where they attacked Mackenzie McHale and Maggie Jordan, who are obviously from the newsroom Sorkin's last. Uh, TV series that he did. And they basically said that these were two sexist characters who couldn't do anything without the men around them and they were totally obsessed with them. And that Sorkin writes characters for women that are not, uh, that are, are totally sexist and he doesn't get it. And I just want to go on record as saying, I think one of the things I love about Sorkin is that he is able to show the similarities in the female approach to business. And, you know, C.J. Craig was as dedicated to her job as the next guy.
1: Fantastic Uh, At the same time.
0: Yeah, she could also, yes, exactly, pivotal role. She could also aspire to have a relationship, but it certainly wasn't the basis of her life or anything else. There are so many female characters written by Sorkin. I just want to go on record as saying they're totally wrong, and I don't think Solange should have picked up the article, and do not mess with my Sorkin (laughs) and expect me to be silent.
1: Well, remember C.J. Craig finally got to go on a date with Mark Harmon, and they killed him off? (laughs) <laughs> well, they didn't, but that, just made her, that no, doesn't but mean he wrote her in a sexist way. It's interesting because the first Aaron Sorkin show I ever saw was Sports Night, and in that right? show, Felicity Huffman was the boss.
0: Except, I just don't think he has that issue. I really don't. And, you know, I think he's, in fact, I've said before, I think he's one of the few male writers who can write both genders. And, you know, the one character of Sorkin that you love that sort of changed my mind around the Equal Rights Amendment, you know,
1: um, from The West Wing, it Ainsley was a great Hayes. scene. She was a great character. Oh my
0: God! Mm-hmm. He is not a sexist writer for female roles. So I just want to go on record as saying that. I thought we should start with well, that. Well,
1: then, all right, but. You know, to be fair, when I saw the social network, I thought, okay, Aaron Sorkin wrote the script. You would think that there was not a woman on Harvard's campus.
0: Well, there wasn't in his world (laughs) because they wanted nothing to do with him. He was writing somebody else's story, not his version of Harvard. Yes, but
1: I think at least half the campus should be female. Uh, We didn't see the campus. We didn't see
0: the campus. We we saw saw, his room.
1: We saw the campus. I mean, every scene was just men, 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 men.
0: Yeah. You know, he's just not a sexist writer. So I just want to go on record. Okay. Okay. Um, Duly noted. Yeah. Thank you. And then... Also the Woods um, the Woods Hole Film Festival that is a festival we've attended and you've attended yes. for many years.
1: They were the first film festival to ever broadcast from space. Uh what space? <laughs> from the space station. Because uh, who knew? remember the woman who was the first woman to ever run the space station Sunita Williams. They connected with her and she broadcast footage from space.
0: You know, I don't th- I don't I don't find that interesting in any I way. I find actually. it
1: fabulous. Uh, <laughs>
0: I know. Well, I just, I feel like there's a disconnect. Like, who cares where it came from? I just want to see what goes it on the screen. It came from
1: space. That's so and
0: cool. I, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But, okay, so they have a film coming out this weekend, and most people are not on Cape Cod, so they're not going to be able to get to the Woods Hole Film Festival. But it's um, it's the documentary Norman Lear, just another version of you.
1: And, yes, Heidi yeah. Ewing
0: and Rachel Grady's oh new film. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Norman Lear, we'll all remember, All in the Family, Maud, Good Times, Really, one of the people who brought the sitcom TV genre to mainstream. and He brought mainstream to the screen that way. And an amazing man. So if you have the opportunity to see the film, I think everybody
1: should definitely take a look at it. And those filmmakers said that was a big departure from their prior work, some of which has been nominated for Oscars, like Jesus Camp. They said it was their first real biopic, if you will.
0: Huh. Did we see Jesus Camp together? We did not. I think we did. We did not? It
1: wasn't me. You saw it with another O'Toole. I must
0: have seen it with another O'Toole, but it was a tool. <laughs> I mean, when you see Jesus' Jesus camp, it is frightening what they do to these young kids and what they put in their minds in this amazing... I mean, it's really, really
1: interesting.
0: I and know what you're
1: thinking of. I saw Detropia. They were in town talking about it, so I went to a special screening, and then I called you. Maybe that's what okay. you're thinking of.
0: No, but I saw, I saw Jesus' camp, and I was mesmerized through the whole thing. It was really, really, really... Amazing film. Um, and then there's also on Amazon, um, Jiro D- D- Dreams of Sushi, September 19th, this weekend, is coming on to am- Amazon. It's a documentary about the, um, the chef making some best sushi in the world in a three-star Michelin restaurant located in a Tokyo subway station, only in Japan. But oh, wow. if you've seen, um, you know, David Gelb is the creator of, of Netflix's Chef's Table. He directed this film. Interesting that it went on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, really good. So if you uh, if you get a chance to pick that up this weekend, you might want to give it a watch.
1: And you reviewed Chef's Table, right, on our website, Screen I did. And, I, you
0: know, yes. But I, that's why I really believe Amazon is the new Netflix because, well, you know, now he's moving over to Amazon. So...
1: I mean, you know, it used to don't... be a place where we bought
0: books. So, Atul, so, what are you looking forward to in the fall lineup? I just gave a few of my exciting things that are coming up. But...
1: Okay. Well, I wanted to give a few shout-outs to some shows that we've discussed. September 28th, Younger returns with the fabulous multi-Tony winning Sutton Foster on TV Land. October 17th, Jane the Virgin comes back on The CW. And November 20th, The Affair returns with season three oh, you know, on we're Showtime. Just like,
0: you're totally, totally committed to things you've already seen before.
1: Well, there's about... two things. There's two things. Well, one I have seen before. Um, October 9th, Divorce comes out on HBO. I know, That's not on my list. Starring exactly. Parker. And you know who wrote that? Who? Sharon Horgan from Catastrophe.
0: Well, funny you should talk about Catastrophe because Fleabag is coming out. I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. But Divorce, it's so funny that uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is doing that. Um, I don't know. It's sort of like, okay, Sex and the City We'll skip the married part. We'll just go to right into divorce, you know.
1: Can you believe, though, it's been... Well, the married part, I think, was touched upon a little bit in the two movie yeah, versions in, in of the Sex the film, and the City. Yeah, but but I yeah. But can you believe it's been 12 years since Sex and the City aired on HBO? I can. That's, that's a fast 12 years.
0: All right, now, also, what about Woody Allen? He wrote a series.
1: Yes, he did.
0: I'm just blown away. And guess who else signed up for a series? Meryl Streep unbelievable right (laughs) you are so right you were the first one a year and a half ago you said this is the golden age of television and I think you're so right well Meryl
1: Streep certainly dropped a lot of hints in interviews that she would be open to it because she was really drawn to the wider canvas that tv series allowed so she's going to be doing a show based on Nathan Hill's novel The Knicks it sounds pretty interesting. I guess she's gonna play a hippie era mother. I think it's
0: I think it's great. And do you remember when Glenn Close came to series television? Yes. And at the time it was shocking. Oh my god, this huge movie star, has she fallen from grace? Or what made her do this? And now it just seems like everybody's clamoring to do it.
1: And speaking of movie stars coming to TV, your guy Anthony Hopkins.
0: I know, I'm so excited. I, I, I did not, I texted you right away. I Yes, you,
1: know, you did. You know, Anthony
0: Hopkins, I, I, I think, is one of the great actors of our time, and he hasn't done a lot recently. So it makes it even more exceptional. So
1: I'm so glad he's coming. So that one's October 2nd, called Westworld on HBO. I know. But I of know, right? everything coming out this fall, you know what I'm most excited about. Star your calendar, November 25th, Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life <laughs> on I Netflix. Know. A four you know, part, And I want you to know parter. that
0: my daughter, about whom I'm not allowed to speak, um, <laughs> she has already made a date with me. We're going to watch it together. So now you know what's
1: interesting. Everything we just mentioned, we didn't mention ABC, CBS, or NBC. Yeah, I definitely know what to say a about new that. era of television.
0: Yeah, I think so, absolutely. And now let's move on to back to Amazon to the Kettering incident. Her mom reckons that you're Jillian Baxter. Do you think I did? Why did you leave Kettering? Things started happening. What the hell is that? Me a Chloe was frightened or something. You should never have come back. Now, who was it who wanted, a, who suggested this? One of our listeners suggested yes, it. Yes, it was Lalu. Okay, you know, you go first. What, it, what, what say you about it all?
1: Okay, well. It's definitely a gothic supernatural thriller. And I was intrigued because last week, of course, we discussed the light between oceans. So here's yet another show brought to us, shot in Tasmania. It stars Elizabeth Debicki, who was in... Clueless. The Night Manager that you loved.
0: Huh, yeah, you wouldn't you know, even know people it's the same from the person. The night
1: manager, I know that I don't recognize in
0: these later things that they've done. But the minute I started watching it, I do remember. Do you know in the mid seventies, they're in Kettering, in Tasmania. There's a real town called Kettering. There was a UFO sighting that made, you know, made that area the UFO central for like three or four years in the mid seventies. I remember mm-hmm. it actually quite well. And I just think it's interesting that they chose Kettering for the backdrop for all of this. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Tasmania in general, they make a point of saying in the script that it's filled with ghosts of aborigines, of convicts, Uh perhaps of aliens. You know, there's quite a few shows you could really compare this to. And first and foremost would be The X-Files it's as though the X-Files met the BBC series 13 that we reviewed because, you know, it's based on two girls going missing 15 years apart, one person being linked to both cases. And like the X-Files, like Scully here, Elizabeth Debicki plays a doctor. Conveniently, she's a hematologist, which is a good thing because some of the blood in the series might be alien. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to say, too, it's also Broadchurch-esque. Where yeah, I see that you've got the murder in a small town, but the prime suspect here may or may not be aliens. It was and sort of
0: a broad church without lights, though.
1: <laughs> broad church without lights, or broad church with UFO lights?
0: Well, no, I, it was dark—a dark broad church. But you know, they called it the Scandi Noir, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting.
1: Yeah, the pacing reminded me of a show that you reviewed, Bloodline—that slow burn, slow
0: grow. Those first two episodes, I wanted to shoot myself. And, or Lalo. I wanted to shoot Lalo. Actually, oh,
1: it was too slow for you. It's a it's
0: a slow grind. I felt the first two episodes, and then and then it and every and a couple people, or I'd read it or something, had told me stick with it because you have to get through the first because it was all over the place. I couldn't follow it. I didn't know what anything meant. It wasn't coming together. You know, it's not like they build upon. They just sort of threw a bunch of stuff at the wall in the first two um, episodes, and then it sort of came together. But it, it, you know, its pacing is like. It's, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, there's something they're now calling, um, they're calling event television, which is sort of, you know, the golden age of television. If you look at some of the series that are out there, this one, I I think
1: was, it was difficult, I think, to get into. Did you not find that? For me, it didn't pick up until about episode four. And the first season has eight episodes. The cinematography was stunning. So I really enjoyed it from that perspective. But as I was watching the first, definitely the first maybe three episodes, I felt like there were interstitial spaces where nothing was moving. So beautifully huh. shot, high production values. But um, I'm going to say episode four is where I started getting sucked in.
0: Well, interestingly enough, it was, the, it was shot totally on location. There was nothing that was done in a studio. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly, you know. The, the, the forest was claustrophobic. And then, you know, sort of the, the um, it's a place called The Neck where Bruni Island shrinks into a tiny stretch of, of um, bush and road between estuary and ocean. I mean, they had some amazing uh, backdrops to work with. So the cinematographer, you know, is Ari Wegner. I just thought he really did a very good job. And I think it's difficult to shoot only on site. You do? Because?
1: Yeah. Well,
0: because there's no way to make up a mistake or to fill in something. Everything, the backdrop becomes enormous, you know?
1: If I had to name this genre, I'm going to call it the she's having a very, very bad day genre.
0: Where am I? What time is it? And Amice is back. Place at the Hotel California. He
1: can't leave, even if you do check out. she was here So, for example, if you think about Elizabeth Debicki's character, her friend gets abducted by aliens 15 years ago. She returns to Tasmania, where another girl is abducted. The only person in town who was actually glad to see her back. She's constantly thought badly of by the entire town. She can't remember where she is. She blacks out. She needs her antipsychotic medication. And like Claire Danes on Homeland, you don't know. She doesn't know herself. Is what she's seen real or is it hallucinations?
0: Well, the you know, Homeland, there was a point. Like there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I felt like we were sort of stuck in the middle of this forever. But this is also eight hours. There's eight episodes or an hour each, right? And... I don't know that I want to spend a whole day in this place that I, it was just, what was the point of us watching this?
1: Now, is there anything else in this genre that you've liked? Like, did you like the X-Files?
0: I never saw the X-Files.
1: Was it just, you knew you wouldn't be attracted to?
0: I don't know why I never saw it. I don't have a reason. I just found it exhausting and dark and pointless. And, you know, aside from the scenery, I didn't get why I was there. And it's a full day. You know, it's a day trip. It's a road trip. You know,
1: (laughs) eight hours is a full day. Let me ask you this, because in the Kettering incident, you see this phenomenon known as the twin moons, where there are two moons in the sky, Um, which reminded me of the show Twin Peaks. Which is celebrating its 25th anniversary with a reunion, which was supposed to come out this fall, but it's been delayed till 2017. Did you ever watch Twin Peaks? No. I didn't either. And yet (laughs) it seems like you could really draw some parallels between the two where they go into the seedier life that might be... Plaguing a small town, there's a murder. There's characters who appear innocent, but they might be leading double lives. There's a the supernatural element. Well,
0: you know, I couldn't wait until the final episode so they could finally wrap this all up and I could find out who done it. And and you know, there were just so many details to wrap up. And I did feel like while I found out who did it, and I just felt like
1: uh, there are a lot of loose ends here. Well, I think they really wanted to set it up for a potential season two.
0: She deserves to know the truth, however bad that may be. But they're not talking about season two, and they've been asked and asked and asked and they're not answering that question.
1: Well, I'm sure there's a lot of factors that go into that, but there's certainly, I think they left a lot unanswered on purpose.
0: Hmm. I guess. To me, I don't know. the finale,
1: it felt like an existential stage play.
0: It was just bizarre, you know? Um, it's complicated, it's dark, you know, it has, a I mean, the cast was great. Didn't you think everybody did a really good job? I
1: thought the acting was definitely better than yeah, the script, although I did the too. script had some good lines. I really liked how they touched on the themes of living in a small town, where so many people from a small town want nothing more than to get out and seek excitement and adventure, whereas people from big cities are drawn to the natural beauty. And it's a theme they just touch on throughout the eight episodes. So for example, the woman who works in the medical office, when she pops by the cop's office, the one with the nice face, and she says, what is it about people who leave a place that makes them so much more attractive than those of us who stay? And it was a theme that recurred that I I really thought was handled nicely.
0: That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But what I did think is that I invested seven hours and I wanted a bigger payoff in the final episode. (laughs) And they did, you know, and they sort of like since this since season two hasn't been commissioned yet and might not ever happen. Then I do feel like, you know, you left me too many hanging chads in this. You know, we need to, you know, Well,
1: it's definitely one of those very atmospheric, supernatural, surreal shows. I never saw the movie, but do you remember the trailer for The Odd Life of Timothy Green the yes, movie with I Jennifer sort of Garner, yes,
0: yes, 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 with yes. the
1: boy where there's Wait, I leaves. I saw the movie. I actually, you I, actually, no. you
0: saw it. Uh, with yes, the leaves and why are you saying it with such judgment around you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not, okay. but it,
1: because it, it reminded me of the Ketterey incident, where here it's mutant moths as opposed to leaves growing out of Timothy Green. What's it,
0: what is with those moths? That sort of was this, you know, is this an homage to the birds? I mean, what I was think... that? They're probably trying to drop a lot of clues But they never explained what it was for And what if there isn't a season 2 That's what I mean by I invested all this money And I didn't get a return on my investment Yes, but
1: look at how many revivals we've already mentioned In this podcast Someday there might be a Kettering Incident revival If it doesn't get renewed It's true. All the the very goth elements of the people have weird bruises. There's weird bugs and weird lights and weird crackling, buzzing sounds and anthropomorphic owls and contaminated water and nosebleeds and the dogs attacking people. Um, and everyone in this town seemed to walk around just vacantly staring at each other. I mean, poor Elizabeth DeBicki looks possessed the entire episode. Well, what eight did you episodes. think about
0: the dissonance between the Greens and the uh, loggers?
1: Well, I thought, okay, that's some good inbred conflict i don't know if it's a red herring or not where maybe neither of those is really the antagonist it's really the ufos or maybe it's not the ufos maybe it's really just comes down between those two groups
0: well i think in today's world by the way i think some of the biggest conflicts are between um between environmentalists and those that just don't seem to think there's a problem in how the environment's treated and i i But I didn't feel like they developed it well enough to have it have such a large role.
1: Well, I did like the element of the Antarctic scientists, because Tasmania is a research base for Antarctica. And so I thought that was interesting, that what happens in Antarctica might be affecting Tasmania and the rest of the world.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely true. So I will tell you that I'm not sure this investment is worth your while out there. So... Unless you really, you know, and I didn't see the X-Files, but if you really like the X-Files, then maybe it is. But um... Well, I'm one of those people who
1: did really like the X-Files, and I was trying to think what was missing here that drew me to the X-Files, and it might have been the whole Scully-Mulder dynamic. Hmm. Hmm. Because I liked that pairing. And here, unlike 13, unlike Broadchurch, both the cops were men. And I think it might have been more interesting to have one woman, one guy. It could
0: be, Absolutely. Absolutely. Now,
1: out of curiosity, which character did you find the creepiest? I mean, I know there's a lot to choose from. And like her father. Does that count? It was interesting too that he's the retired cop, and even he is not glad to see his daughter back.
0: Yeah, I just I found him creepy. But I thought a lot of people in there were creepy. I thought she was sort of creepy
1: when the mother turns and looks at her. And it was filled with creep. You know, there's no question. But the one I found the creepiest was I think her name was Eliza chloe's best friend who Uh has no boundaries when she wears chloe's pajamas to bed after chloe has gone missing i was just like okay to be super creepy
0: Okay, well, I you know I I didn't I didn't go there with that particular moment, but to stay on the theme of what was really great about this. I do think the cinematography was really well done.
1: It was beautiful, mm-hmm. the aerial shots. Yep. very. And I liked the Tasmanian flavor. So even when she's listening to the weather report, and you hear over the radio in her car, "You'll need your woolies tomorrow. It's going to be a chilly one." It was nice feeling like I was back in Tasmania.
0: That Tasmania From- has nothing to do with the Tasmania you took video
1: of you could really tell it was shot on location yeah now you and lalu i believe had a discussion online about stranger things the winona rider series
0: yeah i just couldn't get into it but other people had the same issue and again people keep telling me on stranger things as well that you have to stay to into episode
1: three and i just never did i think the last word really belongs to lalu on the kettering incident because she wrote to us Um, via our website, ScreenThoughts.net, and I thought what she said was so insightful, and here it is. The Kettering incident is certainly more intriguing than Stranger Things. However, this kind of show is always a risk, right? To hook the viewers, they have to dig a hole, but it is not always that they find a good way of getting out of that hole and giving us a satisfying explanation. Let's see if the show will be successful i she's thought that smart. was so that on the Lalo's mark very smart. i know. yeah she's
0: very <laughs> insightful very smart um so I, I you know this is a hashtag thanks but no thanks oh. like thanks for recommending it but no thanks for recommending it because eight hours was a big investment of my time fyi oh.
1: our add girl has spoken yep <laughs> okay can we just end with sully have you seen it I have not seen it, although... Are you going to see it? The real-life Sullenberger landed that plane on my sister's street in New York City. Off of my sister's street, I should say. No, I was going to say, he didn't land it on a street, he landed it on the Hudson. He landed on the Hudson, but, you know, pretty close to 34th Street. So I like to think of it as the second miracle on 34th Street. Well, it
0: did a lot better in the box office this past weekend than they thought it was going to do. So I want you to know I'm going to go see it this weekend.
1: That Clint Eastwood is one prolific director. he is. He is.